Blog Talk Radio. This is One on One with Jasper Cole, Hollywood's bad guy, and so much more. Actor, talent manager, producer, and more. Now he's sitting down with today's top newsmakers from entertainment, politics, pop culture, and beyond. This is One on One with Jasper Cole. Hello, this is your host, Mr. Jasper Cole, and welcome to One-on-One with Jasper Cole. Um, We're so excited because we've got a great show coming up today. We have writer, director, producer, Mr. Michael Pisano. He will be on to talk about his Lockdown Living series, which is on YouTube, and you can go to YouTube, and it's under the same name, Lockdown Living the Series. Can't wait to hear all about that. And uh, at this time, I'm more excited to bring on my everlasting, trusting co-host, Mr. Ralph Cole, Jr. Hello, Mr. Ralph. How are you? Hey. Thank you. Well, everyone, everything is great. Oh, I just wanted to tell everyone to make sure they can... uh, Go to at Jasper Cole says, S-A-Y-S, for Twitter and Instagram. And for Ralph, it's at Ralph Cole Jr. And also go to jaspercole.com, and you can click on one-on-one with Jasper Cole. Follow all the updates and all the information on our show right then and there. So, Ralph, our guest today, of course, we're going to be talking about being locked down and sharing a living space. And I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, the difference in people's experiences and their life experiences of uh, living as, like, say, you were an only child and I was the youngest of four boys. So apparently and obviously we had very different uh, uh, probably opinions on how to share a living space as opposed to, um, you know, and then, of course, having everyone having uh, lived during the pandemic being quarantined, that's the word of the day, I guess, quarantine, because we've been living that for the last two years, which is, in fact, what Michael's show is about, is people being quarantined and, you know, dealing with family and relationships. So as an only child yourself, talk to me about how was it as you grew up and just sharing the space with just, say, your parents and not having siblings? Well, my parents always became my friends as well because I did not have a sibling. But mm-hmm. in, ex- in exchange, because of their professions, my mother being a school teacher and my father being a physician, I did spend a lot of time on my own, which just honed my imagination and creativity. I didn't have the luxury, should I say, or Mm -hmm. the convenience of having siblings to share things with or or share thoughts about our parents with. So Mm -hmm. this is why I feel um, older, uh, only children are perhaps more prone to create imaginary characters, someone to Mm -hmm. talk to or someone that they can have an outlet to. So you're saying to to have mental illnesses? (laughs) <laughs> well, <laughs> not, not mental, to not mental, illness. mental 
delusions and stuff like that. Okay, I got you. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. No, I, I'm really I'm really referring to mental creativity because right. when you think about it, the parents have a responsibility to to bring themselves to the level of their child. You know, mm-hmm. after being an adult all day, uh, maybe sometimes parents have that convenience when they do have siblings. The siblings can entertain themselves, you know. Right. So it's, uh, but it it it. I can only speak as an only child, and mm-hmm. for everyone out there as an only child, we know potentially what it's what it is like to live alone. <laughs> Well, let me ask you, as you, I'm sorry, as you got older and say when you first ventured out on your own, let's say to go to college, that was that the first time you were dealt with a a shared living situation? That's a great question, Jasper. Thank you. It was the first time. And because it was foreign to me, I had to write a special letter requesting a single room and why mm-hmm. I needed to have a single room. So that, because... Let me ask, so what, in, in looking back at now, you know, at, at, as an adult, looking back at that time, can you, one, when you think about the letter, what are your thoughts on it now? And does it, does it make you laugh or does it still hold true about how you might still be today about certain issues? I think it still holds true. I I was reared as an only child, and now I and then I was entering reared, college. Reared, reared, wow, uh-huh. reared, reared. <laughs> but rather than changing my ways into college and now being a roommate situation, I held firm to what was comfortable for me and what I knew. And now, as an adult, I am glad I did adhere to that. My life has it, is filled with friends and great uh, re, uh, business relationships, but I have, I, I've, I've always been pleased that I made that decision of living alone, and I was able to do that all through college and then uh, subsequently later in life. So had you prior, uh, other than a romantic situation or you know being married had you have you ever had roommates or a roommate no oh wow see i think that's an amazing perspective which which i think a lot of people that is you know they can certainly relate to that now me coming from the youngest of four boys i you know we had one bathroom with six people i guess but i I sometimes say it's interesting you know you only know what you know, right? So it wasn't until, yeah, it wasn't until I was out of the house and actually even like, for instance, had my first apartment where I had my own bathroom, right? And, and then it subsequently as, as I got older in life, you know, my thing is like, I, I need to have my own bathroom. Like, that's just Mm -hmm. my thing. And I guess, I guess in hindsight, looking back on it, maybe it did come from, sharing so much growing up. But at the time, you know, again, I didn't know any different. And so I think sometimes if, if probably if I had never left that home, you know, it wouldn't be any, any different for me. Now I know like during this pandemic, you know, so many people were forced into uh, some kind of situations. I mean, that they, 
didn't foresee coming. You know, people were like stuck with certain family members and they couldn't leave or, you know, friends and they couldn't get away from, which again, Michael Pisano will talk about that when he comes on about uh, Lockdown Living, his new series on YouTube. But it's interesting because you were, um, as listeners who listen to the show know, you were a caregiver for both your parents, but in the last two years of the pandemic, you were just taking care of your mom, which in, in a kind of, I guess, was even more heightened circumstances because you were quarantined and quarantined also wanting to protect her. But then you talk to us about how I'm sure that gave you moments to just have all these amazing memories with her being together those last couple of years. Absolutely. Talk about full circle. As I mentioned before, when the mother has got to be on the level of her child because she only has one child as I'm growing up, as the child is growing up, is one thing. But now when the tables have been turned and Mm -hmm. now the child is the parent, it was a profound close relationship. And the quarantine, we live in our home that my parents bought 56 years ago so it was a time for the home that my mother wanted to create for her husband and her child was a place where she was now getting to be taken care of and so it was a very uh wonderful experience and at the same time of course frightening because Mm -hmm. When it was going on, we didn't know what the ramifications were and how vulnerable one could possibly be. Well, and as people across America are listening to our show, you know, this is like something everyone deals with, especially our generation. I'm 58. You're 64. I don't know how old you are. Correct. Um, you're, You're ageless to me, Ralph. Always. But, um, you know, we're at that generation where we are, um, if we're lucky enough uh, to be taking care of elderly parents or older parents. Um, some of us have lost a parent or have lost both parents. But, you know, it's, it's, it's very almost European in some ways. I feel like a lot of times um, our country's gotten away from the, you know, in, in European culture, especially you know, it's common for the grandparents to, for the, for families to just continue to live together, you know, um, generational, generational. And so you're very lucky in the sense that my father, like you, you know, now lives in the home that he was born in. And as he says, I'm, I'm going to die here, hopefully in the house I was, I was born in. So that's real, a real blessing because a lot of people don't, have that experience, but it's a, it's an interesting time with everybody uh, worldwide, I'm sure, just dealing with having to take care of parents. And like you said, on top of that, um, during the pandemic, now there's some, you know, hilarity ensues and there's some, you know, comedy is used to get through so many things in life. And again, that's what lockdown living is about is, some of the funny situations that come out of being quarantined, you know, there's going to be, uh, I guess already we've seen, there's been so many babies born that are, you know, they're called the quarantine babies that 
Right. <laughs> we know they were they were conceived either during the first year of the pandemic or this last year of the pandemic. Um, and that'll be interesting to see how a, a child looks back on that time, you know, because they'll be they'll be reading about it or watching some something about it on, you know, probably at that time, everything will just be on the Internet. But it's fascinating to see. Because, you know, when we think back now, people will say, oh, well, I was a World War II baby or, you know, I was a depression baby, meaning that they were born during these like prolific historical times and Mm -hmm. and how and how that subsequently affected their upbringing. So um, it'll be fascinating going forward to see how these kids look back on this time and like what stories they hear from their friends and family. And I, I mean, I can only imagine you and I don't have kids. So it's, it's interesting to see how that's going. Allegedly. To, allegedly, as far as I know, you know, I don't have any kids out there, but you never know. Right. I, you know, it's funny <laughs> because isn't it weird how so many people who just want to have kids for whatever reason, you know, can't have kids biologically, so they're they're doing the in vitro, they're doing everything they can they, they can to have kids. And then others who don't seemingly you know, want to have kids can't stop getting pregnant. So it's like it's just that bizarre thing of like be careful what you wish for. Um and sometimes right. the things you and and then some things the things that you don't seem to care as much about just quote fall in your lap. So um Right, right, exactly. Like some like so many things in our life, but, um, you know, one thing that, to your point, when we all are comparing ourselves, relatability is something that everyone across the span of the globe can can attest to and, and be mm-hmm. a part of. And that's why I'm really um, eager to speak with Michael, our guest today, because of the relatability of mm-hmm. his project. And how, like you said, we all use comedy as a human resource to make ourselves feel better, to make ourselves feel accessible and to feel comfortable. And it'll be, it's, I'm looking so forward to interviewing him because he really tapped on that. And that universality is very important. Yes, and if you're just joining us, you are listening to One-on-One with Jasper Cole. Uh, this is Jasper Cole with my amazing co-host, Ralph Cole, Jr., and we're discussing uh, the quarantine and sharing living spaces and how our childhoods were totally different, and I'm sure those of you listening can relate. You all have your own individual experiences, uh, multi-generational families, single children, only children. Um, it's interesting because when you're you know, one of lots of kids, we always want want to be an only child. Sometimes only children, you know, want siblings. But isn't it funny how there's, I don't know, maybe it was the Southern thing as well, um, but there just always seemed to be, there was this thing about like, oh, well, you don't want to just have an only child. You know, like you, there was pressure sometimes put on parents to have more mm. than one kid. And girlfriends of mine talk about that, too, like, oh, well, when are you going to have your next one? You know, like, like mm-hmm. you just couldn't possibly stop with one. And I think also probably more so in years past, right, um, it, it was more common for people to have 
multiple kids. And then, of course, if you're talking about the Catholic religion where, you know, birth control was not really practiced. So it was they always felt like it's just let nature take let nature take its course. And, you know, my um, my grandmother, you know, my mom was the oldest of 13 kids. So there's an example of how clearly birth control was not, you know, and there and my grandmother was not Catholic. I, I, I think that was just an example of a different time when you just had kids. I mean, 13 is kind of like a litter, but <laughs> I mean, four or five, maybe 13, I think we're pushing it, but you know what? I, just more power to them. I don't know how people did it. Little house on the prairie, I guess. Remember they just, go out and squat in the field and have a baby and keep keep moving, plowing the field and growing the vegetables. So anyway, but Please talk um, about being progressive. <laughs> a pro, right? Yeah, talking oh, about doing yeah. it all. Talking about multitasking, right? Multitasking, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Pop a squat, have that baby and just keep on going. Gotta get in and make that Get the get the dinner on the table. Oh my God! Um, but yeah, well, one no, thing I want to talk to Michael. Oh, go on. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I was going to say one thing I wanted to talk to Michael about are the situations that he encountered with you tap on this Jasper people that now have found themselves quote unquote trapped mm-hmm. in a living being sequestered with a relative or a roommate that you were able to tolerate because for eight to 10 hours of the day, you were not with that person. Right. And now when, when the situation changed that you now had to be with the person 24 hours per day, just those hurdles that became established and mm-hmm. how are we going to create, create or maintain our own space with us both here at the same time, you know, like right, if one person right. is gone, there's there's a dynamic that you you've created in the space, you know, to be able to live or or uh, to meditate or or read your book or sip your tea, whatever it is, and now that same private time that was once so dear to you is infiltrated with another human there. You know, so well, and they say uh, you know so many so many relationships were really put. Obviously, this was a, a, a the pandemic was a major test, right? It's almost like you know because there were a lot of people that broke up and relationships and divorces happened, and I think it brought for a lot of people there was a clarity, right? People started looking at the relationships, they started changing careers. It was a, sort of a re. I think a lot of people pushed a reset button, right? And they were just yes, like, you know I what? I agree with you. Yeah, they're like, hmm, I don't really think this is working for me anymore. And uh, so I guess, and you know, in hindsight, that's, it, it, sorry that it took something like a pandemic, but for a lot of people, that's that was sort of a wake-up call. Then on the flip side, I think for me, like for me and Dennis, I don't think we've ever been closer. You know, we, 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 we get along really well together. I mean, we do like our space or whatever, but I do find that, um, you know, there's that old adage about, they used to talk about, oh, Lord, when the couple, when, when the two people retire, how are they going to, how are they going to make it? Well, for some of us now, at least we got to see, 
you know, if we were around each other a lot more, could we handle it? And that's I a very say, good point. It was say, like a, we a, a wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a trial run. Excellent. No, that's so great. It's great to hear positive things out of negative things. And that's just the right. way we, again, with human nature. So that that's a very good testament to the two of you that you were able to endure and mm-hmm. become closer and learn about each other. Um, <clears throat> I applaud that. And anyone listening would hopefully want to applaud that as well because it does happen. You know, and you're in a very profound and unique relationship. So that's wonderful that you, because it's something that you two had never, nor any of us ever had to deal with. Mm-hmm. And it really, you know, tested a lot of people's metal, like you just said, you know. So what yeah. I think is uh, it's revealing that. Just listening to what you were saying, thinking of those couples that have decided to go their different ways, what it would have been like if there hadn't been some global experience. Mm -hmm. Would they have still gone their separate ways or would they have resigned themselves to being with each other? Those are moot questions, but it just brings up – I, I was just listening to what you said so fervently about will we be able to get through this or mm-hmm. is this experience that we have no control over going to allow me to see a person that I thought was my quote unquote soulmate or my significant other differently Right, and it's a perfect segue because we are ready to bring on our special guest Um, at this time. It's really, we're right on target to bring on our very special guest, writer, producer, director, Mr. Michael Pisano. Hey, buddy, how are you? I'm I'm, I'm great and and, and loving the crowd. Uh, That was was welcome. Thank you. You know, we always love a good applause, right? That's our lockdown <laughs> crowd for you, Michael. Welcome. This is Ralph speaking. We're very happy to have you. Yes, this I, is I'm Jasper. happy to be here. Thank you. Well, congratulations I'm on the series. Happy. We we were using our opening to talk about actual, um, you know, sharing living spaces and how people grow up differently. Ralph's an only child. I was the youngest of four boys and what it's like when, you know, having to share spaces and of course during the lockdown people were forced into situations but um everyone if you're just joining us this is one-on-one with jasper cole and we're just joined by our special guest mr michael pisano we're here to talk about his new youtube series lockdown living the series so talk to us about um i know that this came together during the quarantine and what was the impetus like how how did this all start for you um, so basically I was, I produced branded content and, uh, for a company called group nine media, which is about to become uh, Vox, like merged with Vox media. And when the shutdown happened, um, you know, all production shut down in, mm-hmm. in New York. So I pretty much had this moment where I was thinking, okay, well, I need to keep the momentum going. I need to keep going. I need to create i can't just sit on my hands for the next you know 
six mm-hmm. months to a year. You know, because at that time we thought it was going to be, you know, six months. And right. yeah, I, 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 you know, it's funny that you bring up the forced living situation because at that point, so I live in Washington Heights and it just felt like a smarter decision to pool my resources and just go back home with my mom. So she lives in the Bronx. I moved in back, back in with her, you know, work ended for me effectively in the second week or so in March, you know, that, that second week in March in 2020 when everything just went to hell. Remember? Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, it, kind yeah. of was like, it was like a domino. Yeah. So I spent a couple of days trying to figure out what to do. And right before I had, you know, stepped away from producing full time, uh, the, the, one of the executive producers was thinking, okay, as everything's shutting down, this is how we need to start filming content. Uh, and he brought up all these different types of ways we could do it remotely, sending cell phone kits uh, to, to talent and things like that. And I was thinking, you know what? I bet I could do a, a series like that. And it just became, that just became the goal. Uh, and I didn't know how long it was going to take. I didn't really know if I could do it. Um, but I was using that movie searching. Uh, it's kind of like takes place on a computer screen. It's a thriller. Um, so I used that movie as kind of an example of what I wanted mm-hmm. it to look like. I contacted a bunch of comedy writers. I said, hey, I have this idea. I think I could pull it together using, uh, you know, a combination of Premiere and After Effects. Uh, let's just start writing. And, yeah, and, that, and that's how that got moving. And did you uh, already know the actors? Did you put out a casting? I mean, I find one of the great things about during the pandemic is, People were readily available because they had nothing else to yeah. do. Not saying not saying that that's how you got this, but I always found that it was interesting. You could certainly get a lot more done during that time because no one had an excuse of like, oh, I'm too busy to return your call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, I knew the comedy writers beforehand, but you know, funny thing, none of them knew each other except for maybe two of them. Uh, and they still have not met in person, which is kind of mm. hilarious. Um, you know, most of the cast, none of us have ever actually met in person in the last year and a half to two years. And wow. yeah, so I knew the comedy writers from previous things I've worked on with them. You know, I, I know uh, Sarah Franco because I worked on Jaded and Jaded with her, which is another web series I'm part of. I know mm-hmm. Allison Hayhurst because I've done work with her and her, her husband with Evening Squire Productions, uh, Montgomery Morrow. Uh, I worked on a feature film with him in 2019, Nick Smithson, same thing, same feature film and other projects. So I knew all of them beforehand. Uh, they all also act. So, you know, they, they're, they are in the episodes. Um, right. And just, you know, word of mouth, we just said, Hey, we're doing this thing. Uh, the goal of this is, you know, we, we don't really have money for people to really pay anyone. There's no budget, but this will not cost you anything. Here's mm-hmm. a script. Do you want to be part of it? You know, very little lift. It's a two-hour shooting window, and uh, you know, just uh, just know your lines, and we'll do a couple of rehearsals with us, and and we're good to go. We did do a casting call on Facebook, but we also found a lot of people from uh, just word of mouth. Just hey, do you know someone who'd be good at this? Oh yeah, I've got a friend who could be good at that kind of a role, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. Was it uh, predominantly all scripted, or did you? Were there any improv, improv at all, or was it pretty much all scripted? It's it's uh, it's pretty much all scripted with little flares of improv. Um, the mm-hmm. way um, the way I like to work, especially in comedy, is I really encourage the actors to bring something to it and add their own flair to it. So 
Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, where moments that need to be scripted for like story reasons where you follow it verbatim. Yeah, that, that does happen. But if you're an actor and you could bring something totally new and totally fun to it, yeah, I'm game. Um, but the problem with this kind of a shoot and improving is it, it be, that like, it's, it's not a big problem. It's just that, you know, we're doing everything over Zoom. Right. You know, right, so right. the delay, the delay can sometimes uh, get in the way. And, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of dependent on people's Internet connections when we're filming. Um, right. So that could kind of ruin the improv process. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, there was a good amount of improv um, by anyone who's willing to do it. And some of the best moments are improv, like in the uh, my favorite episode, um, Where'd You Go? The character, Chris, he's kind of just, you know, that that whole episode's about um, the main character, James is on a like remote blind date and they're hitting it off really well. And then she goes to get a drink of water and then there's a scream on the other side of, you know, through the zoom, he hears a scream, a crash, and then she doesn't come back. And then he's freaking out like, Oh my God, what, what do I do? <laughs> and he starts calling his friends. Uh, and one of them, you know, it's, and, and the great thing is, is like when you pick up these people, it's like, what are they doing? It's a Thursday night in the quarantine. You know, what, how are you mm-hmm. doing it? One of them, he's just, he's just boozing and watching TV. So that character, like all of the physicality of his performance was purely improv and he brought it in, uh, you know, a hundred percent the actor. Uh, yeah. And, and, and it's hilarious. Um, um, and at one point he actually falls off the couch, which is probably the funniest part of that that whole thing. Manuel Salazar, great, great actor and really brought a lot of funny. Things. Oh yeah. Shout yeah, out to the whole but cast. That, but that's kind of how it would go. What well, did you find the storylines or did the, did the writers bring, are these loosely based on uh, real life experiences or just completely a hybrid of a, a lot of different things? Because I, I was assuming probably, you know, the whole dating thing during Quarantine. I've, I mean, I've been married for 25 years. In fact, Ralph and I were just saying the other day, oh, my God, I don't even know what it would be like to be trying to date right now. But <laughs> I'm assuming some of the, you know, the cast and the writers have their own stories about that. Oh, I've, I've got a great story for you. So let me let me before I do that, that's before, you know, I'll just tease that real quick. But before I go into that, I will answer the question directly and say, uh, it's a combination of things. Uh-huh. Um, one of the, the writing process we worked with was uh, we'd start out with, you know, we would just brainstorm ideas and situations and things in lockdown or whatnot that, you know, things that would happen that could be applied to a lockdown situation that we've experienced or that we're reading about in the paper or anything that's funny um, that we're thinking about right now. We kind of write those ideas. And then we'd think of people who, um, what kind of a person in lockdown you know, what are like ticks that someone would pick up or, or weird habits or things like that. And we try to design really interesting characters. And then we'd look at all these stories and we'd pair the best character with the best plot. And then we'd kind of use that to make episodes. So some of these stories come from, uh, you know, we're just made up. Some of them come from, you know, articles you'd read and some of them would come from real life experiences. So, which segues into my amazing story. So I, was invited to a writer's room separate to this, uh, an accountability writer's room. And just to, you know, like, like I said, keep you accountable while we're, you know, <laughs> all the days played yeah. together, you know, you got, you got to make sure you're writing. So it was just an idea. We'd all sit together and encourage each other to keep working. And we, you know, I, I go to this first meeting and I immediately meet this incredible woman named Sarah Seeds, who's an actress. And we, you know, we'd meet every week and we kind of got along well. I asked her to meet separately. Um, 
to talk about her own show, which she had on Amazon, Dr. C's. Uh, and yeah. And then, and then we just started meeting separately from the group secretly to have a drink once a week and things just snowball from there. And here we are, uh, one year, eight months later, we're still dating. It's which oh, is congratulations. crazy. Wow. To me. Thank you. Yeah, oh, but that's we, a great, spent, great part of the story. Yeah. So we actually spent four weeks dating over zoom because she had gone to her parents' place in Virginia to be with them, uh, you know, six months in the quarantine, had to get out of the city. And that's when we first started meeting separately. So she was in Virginia. So we dated over Zoom. And then when she came back to New York, turns out she lived 20 blocks south of me, which was, you know, wow. an amazing coincidence. And wow. yeah. And then when we've been dating, we've still been dating ever since. Actually, we're moving in together later this year. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, congratulations, Michael. Yeah, we were Thank saying you. in the Thank opening you. about everyone across the country and the world, you know, there's all these, there's going to be all these great stories of like hookups and babies being, you know, babies being born and all the stuff that happened yeah. during this crazy, crazy time. But tell us what, tell us about your growing up. And I mean, have you, what's your journey? Did you come from a showbiz family or was this something you forged on your own? What's your journey been like? Oh yeah, so I'm I'm the son of an architect and a structural engineer, which you oh. know couldn't be farther Screams from creative. I guess, well, creative <laughs> a little bit, creative. Yeah, well, yeah on the architect yeah, side. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I guess that's right. You know, like my the architects are kind of like artists of building buildings, and the structural mm-hmm. engineers are the ones who put it together. So I think in another way, it's actually almost the perfect person to be building a movie because you got a creative mm-hmm. side, and then you've got the technical side that can you know, uh, right. figure out how it's all going to come together in the editing room. So I take that back. It's, it's the perfect place to become. <laughs> um, it's the left and the right yeah, I, together. Yeah, exactly. Fused perfectly. Um, but we, uh, yeah, we, we always had, you know, I have an older brother and I have a sister. Um, my parents divorced when I was around six. So my dad's in a, in a new marriage and, and I have a sister there who's just in college now, which is crazy to be the older brother <laughs> of, uh, of a sister who's in college. Um, cause I was, you know, I grew up being the younger brother, uh, my whole right. life. So did I. So, yeah. yeah. So it's a, hell, it's a hell of a shift. Um, but yeah, they, we, we've always had a very, very creative house that encouraged the arts. Um, you know, my mm-hmm. dad's a musician, my mom and both my dad love movies. You know, I, I still remember, and it's one of those things where you don't even know if it's real. Like, is this memory even real? I don't freaking know. But I remember seeing Star Wars for the first time and seeing the X-Wing fighters go down the, the, the trench. And, yeah, I don't even think I understood what was going on. But I was just, you know, entranced by it because I was just so young. It was just the most incredible thing. So movies and storytelling have always been a major part of my life. And um, I, as I got older, I, you know, my mom made sure I was in arts classes. I would take music lessons. And I actually went to Fiorello LaGuardia School of Arts and Performing Arts in New York for music. And at one point, I just decided, you know, movies are my passion. And to be honest, I don't even know when that happened. Like, that's Mm -hmm. the thing that's so weird about it. I just, it just was always, you know, I think back on it. What was the moment? I have no idea. Uh, It's, this is just what I was going to do. And you know, my brother went to Syracuse, then I joined him two years later. We went to the Newhouse School and, and did, like, the communications program, the focus on film. You know, I took a lot of screenwriting classes, and I've just been, you know, pounding away at it, uh, chipping away at the, uh, 
at the career for for the 10 years I've been out of college and you know and with the goal of every project being better than the last one and mm-hmm. you know the fun thing about lockdown living especially was that it's it, it was a moment where you know it, it took a lot of creative hurdles to make it happen like a lot of right. you know there were a lot of hurdles that you had to get past cuz you're shooting with people you can't be in the same room with um, you need to, you can't, you know, it, it, it's amazing how difficult it is to give direction and camera, you know, uh, directions when you're talking through a zoom box and the actors, you know, recording on their phone and kind of talking to, through zoom at the same time. And it, it felt like a culmination of all these things. And, you know, and it was an amazing group of people to work with, which made it a joy, but it, it was, it was like a culmination of everything that I've been working to, are you, know, you are um, you guys all are you guys all connected now and staying in touch? Are you going to work together on other projects? Hopefully. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I I, yeah. I love all the writers and all the actors. Absolutely, and um, you know I I've been I've been completely uh, sucked into the newest project I've been working on. Um, so I've kind of been living under a rock the last, the last, uh, I don't know, four or five months. I feel like I do this. I get, I get, you know, I do a really good job. I'm, I'm on social media. I'm seeing my friends and then all of a sudden, uh, I get into a project and then I just kind of vanish for, for four months. But I've been, I directed the short written by this incredible screenwriter, uh, uh, Joe, uh, Omar Coda. And he, you know, it was one of the projects we were going to do before, pandemic happened but then mm-hmm. uh you know pandemic happened and it got postponed right. but we ended up shooting it it's my first ever you know strict like straight up horror movie and mm. um yeah kind of a kind of a thriller uh, slasher thriller if you will and um Love it. yeah so that's that's what i've been working on but like you know once this once i'm on the other side of this project uh yeah i, I would love to work with them again Oh, that's fantastic. Now, you're more, you know, producing and directing. Do you still get in front of the camera? I know you went to performance, but did you at some point decide, I really want to be more behind this, behind the camera? Yeah, so I've, I've never, I've never really been an actor. It's, it's something that, um, yeah, I just don't know if it's, it's my thing. I think, um it's funny. I don't know if I, I, there's a part of me that wonders that I think I could do it. And there's the other part of me that feels like if I was getting direction from a director that I disagreed with, there'd be an issue. <laughs> you know? No, that's a good point. And I feel like, right. you know, I don't know if I could take direction because I feel like they would be like, you need to do it more this way. And I, and I would either respond, that is how I'm doing it. Or I don't know if that's the way it should be happening. You know, I feel like I'd be one of those actors that, that, you know, uh, people tell stories about at one point. But, you know, I, I mean, who knows? I'm, I'm open to it. Actually, uh, my girlfriend, uh, Sarah Seeds, and I are thinking about writing a series together that we both act in, a kind of oh, comedy okay. horror. Uh, yeah, so that will be my first foray, and we'll, I guess we'll, I will let you know how that goes because I... Oh, I well, if you'll come back on and talk about it. I mean, it's interesting because so many, there's that cliche about all actors want to direct, right? Um, but you, But it rarely goes the other way you don't hear it's not the cliche all directors want to act you know um but it is funny how a lot of a lot you talk to an actor and it's like now i want to direct that's the next thing you want to do um but yeah Yeah. i think like you said but even just going to to the performing arts high school that gave you sort of a a grounded all-around look at the whole industry which is good yeah absolutely um i you know i wish 
you know, you know, it's one of those things where, where you're, when you're a kid and you don't really realize how lucky you are for something. Right. And then you look right. back on, you're like, wow, I was, I was an idiot. Yeah. I feel like, um, uh, uh, you know, got the most out of it, that, of that experience that I could and took advantage of all the opportunities there. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty harsh judge of myself in general and always think I could have mm-hmm. done more. Um, which is a blessing and a curse because it makes me, you know, always want to improve, but also it makes me very hard on myself. So, uh, you know, well, you I, have I, a passion for it. You have a real passion, which is that's 90% of what you need, you know? Yeah. Which yeah, is I great. Think so. I mean, I that's, it, that's it, what's it, important. Yeah. I, I think that's what you need just in life in general is to be passionate mm-hmm. about something. It's like that, uh, um, that Tony Robbins thing, live with passion. You know, it's like, you gotta, you gotta find what you're passionate about and just, just, just go after it. It could be anything. And, um, you know, that's, that's the best part of life is just living with passion every day, no matter what you're doing. Right. And you know, what happens is Ralph and I talk about this as, as we get older, of course, you said something earlier, I so believe in it's like at the time when we're doing stuff, we don't always appreciate, you know, the journey. I know in show business, everyone talks about when I make it kind of thing. And I look back now and I say to people, you know, you're, you're pretty much making it all along, but you just don't realize it because we think there's yeah something, you know, there's going to come a point where like, oh, now I made it. But I don't think that, I think if that happens, you probably should just stop doing it because you're not, there's nothing to strive for after that. Yeah. It's that whole, um, you know, don't do it for the, I actually don't remember the exact quote, but it's something along the lines of don't do it for the result, do it for the journey or something like that. Right. Or, you right. know, uh, it's something along those lines. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I, I totally, totally uh, agree. But, with you know, that. it comes with, I think a lot of times too, I think it, it does come with experience and age. So in a way it's kind of like, you can't expect, you know, you can't expect 20 year olds to have that understanding when they're, they haven't lived yeah. it yet. But, um, but of course, you know, yeah. I thought I knew everything when I was in my twenties. Anyway, I think most twenty-year-olds yeah. do. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. You, the, you know, I feel yeah. like everybody everybody feels that way at every age. You know, I mean, that's well, that's, that's the thing that's hilarious to me. You know, I feel like every time I get older, uh, you know, every time another year goes by, I feel like there's so much more that I've learned. Like even mm-hmm. even now, with like what I'm saying about, you know. Uh, the lessons I'm learning, like, oh, I wish I took more advantage of what was to offer in high school or in college or in my 20s. It's like Mm -hmm. now I'm kind of in that mindset where I'm like, I'm going to continue to, you know, I'm not going to make that mistake again. I'm not going to make that mistake. And then you look back and you're like, oh, crap, I did it again. (laughs) But I think, (laughs) you know, I think, yeah, I I mean, to be honest, right, I mean, I think I'm doing a good job. But, you know, who knows what Mike five years from now is going to think. But I think as long as I'm doing, you know, trying to get, to a place where I'm always in the moment and, you know, present and mm-hmm. doing the best I can to, to, you know, live the best I can and, and, and really experience everything I can, everything around me the best I can. Then, you know, maybe I'll get 80% of the way there. And then that's right. Good. Well, well, I think you just said like living in the moment, that's something I think the pandemic forced a lot of us to do as well. Right. We didn't, oh, yeah. we didn't have a choice. We had to be in the moment and just, you had to just be there like it or not. And yeah. so, yeah. yeah. So that's something I think we'll all kind of take, take with us from this whole experience. Um, 
Now, do you are do you want to have? Uh, look at me. I'm already putting pressure on you. Do you want to have kids? You know, one day. Do you want to be a father? Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. I think that's something that I have thought about. I think it's something that if I didn't do, I would regret sometime in the future. Mm-hmm. But right now, my focus is solely on, you know, doing the things I need to do for me. Um, right. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm okay with that. I think. I think when it's time, it'll happen. You know, I'm, I'm not really putting pressure on myself in those regards. Good. Now, if you ask my mother, she'll tell you a completely different <laughs> answer. And, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things I feel like you need to be okay with yourself a little bit more. And I feel like there's things I need to do now that wouldn't allow me to put 100% of the attention I need to on having a kid. Um, sure. Because – you know, once you have a kid, you're, you know, your life's not your own anymore. It's, yeah. it's, you know, you have this other person that is, uh, needs your attention and you need to be able to drop what you're doing in a hat to be there if they need you. And I think I'm at a part where I'm still building my, mm-hmm. you know, my, uh, my area or my safe space or my, or my, 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 my home or whatever you want to call it, but I'm still building my career yeah. and, uh, whatnot. So yeah. The, and, and honestly, it depends on, it depends on a lot of things, you know, financial right. things and, and, sure. and, and where, and where the hell we're going to be in, in a year from now, oh, right. years from now you know? Well, yeah, you know, right? it's interesting, Michael, what you're saying, Michael, really lends itself out of the nine episodes that I watched. My favorite one was marriage. Uh, I think it's called Oh yeah, marriage. that's a great one. Um, because as I had mentioned to Jasper, um, while we were talking about you, relatability is something that is a universal feeling. And with the, all the various episodes that you had, it, I related so well to that. It was very poignant, along with the comedy, which was brilliant, of the husband having to take care of the mother. And that was unexpected when we first saw the two of them. And then when the wife had the newborn or the 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 the, 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 the baby, along with the yeah. girl that she's having to help with the homework, it yeah. it's, it it reminds me of what you're saying right now. I don't have that kind of commitment right now. I need to work on myself first. And yet here's this yeah. couple with these two kids, these two youngsters that are separated across the country, and he has to deal with the mother, and then hear a crash while they're trying yeah. to be, you know, intimate. It was just very, really well done, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's all down to the brilliant script written by Allison and the incredible acting performances by Manuel and Ivana. There, it's, it just all came together, and that one is the second one we filmed. Uh, the first one being oh. the potato episode. Yeah, the first one was the potato episode, which was kind of like we were just trying to see how it would work. And then the marriage story <laughs> was the second one we filmed, and that's when we knew or we we got we got a system that's gonna that's gonna work here. Yeah, um, I wanted to ask you: Did yeah. he ever decide which outfit he was going to wear for you know the the <laughs> first day one? You know, and, and, like, and I love the ending when, when well, I won't give it away, but it, in the potato yeah. head episode, it, you know, was very funny. It's a really, it's a really funny one. Yeah. Um, Michael, the main Michael actor, we actually, the we writer. actually watched, we actually watched the shows before we, inter- <laughs> before we interview people. 
That was good, Rob. You couldn't I'm, I'm very excited. That that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I was like, wow. Real quick. Yeah. Which leads me to say, Michael, um, I know that you have, you and your girlfriend are planning a, seri- a different series, but are you planning for a season two for Lockdown Living? Yeah, it's, it's up in the air. I think um, so we wrote 18 episodes, um, and they're all in the same vein of this very interesting world that we were able to, you know, cobble together. And, you know, I think it depends. On, on the one hand, I'd love to work with everyone again. Um, on the other hand, the only thing that I would wonder is, is how much do people want to be watching these stories uh, of people in this situation, or do we want to think past this and pretend that we're no longer in the situation that we're in? You know, I, I don't know what the answer is there. I'd like to continue to see how the series does. You know, it's got a pretty mm-hmm. decent amount of views, and I think it's going to keep going as long as, you know, we keep uh, talking about it and, 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 and making sure people get their eyes on it. And so it's kind of – I'm kind of up in the air about it. But I, I definitely be down to work on another series, uh, another season for this, and film with everyone again. You know, there's a lot of stories and a lot of great – stuff out there to work on like one of the episodes that didn't get written but i always wanted to was the 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 one uh james's do you, do you remember the exorcism episode which is by right. far one of the most yes. brilliant ones yeah 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 he's possessed by the he's possessed by the demon and they get the they have to do the the remote exorcism over over Zoom. yeah 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 the yeah yeah, the I always want I wanted to take that same um that those same characters and she starts suspecting her boyfriend's uh one of the like a lizard person, uh, you know, in disguise. <laughs> you know, keep hearing about that kind of stuff going on. Like I feel like there's a lot of little places we could go, um, with these with these stories. So you know, I don't know. Another part of me also thinks, what if we take the same characters and take them out of the Zoom format and put them in real life? Yeah. Uh, we, now that's, that's easier, what I, that's a little bit safer. That's what I was thinking, yeah. too, because, Michael, when you said you wanted to write a horror movie, I thought, oh, God, well, I was going to even say, well, were you inspired by the the guy who was possessed? You know, that episode. You know, so yeah. it's like they definitely could. And I can't help but think what it will be like to see these characters in person when we're able to do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, and to yeah. your point, it's very good to say, Let's see what happens. Just like you and your collabor- collaborators rolled with how, we're, how are we going to avoid sitting on our hands for six months? Well, let's do something remote. And you worked with the times. So that's a very good yeah. point of view. Let's where we are. Will, will we need to see nine more episodes of lockdown? Maybe those next nine episodes now have to be released from – Torment. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. You know? Un- unlocked down living, you know, unlocked living yeah. or something. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. That would be yeah. a you know, That's the, what I was thinking. Have the daughter yeah, I was thinking. To the mother later. Excuse me. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Oh, no. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, Michael, have the daughter in marriage story, the, the older daughter in marriage story, say, say to the mother, Mom, you know nothing about new math. You know, that was hilarious to me. I, like, I had no idea there was new math I had to learn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it makes me wonder what my parents were thinking when they helped me with my math back in the day, you know? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great concept. It's really funny and true. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, we all have friends that have kids and the, that's the funniest thing now is like when the, the kids need help with certain things at school and they're all, my friends are looking at each other like, uh, honey, you take this one. I don't think, you know, I don't think I can handle this. Um, I always say that's when you hired the tutor to come. <laughs> that's when you bring in outside help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so I guess the next question would be, like you said, you're, you've got this new relationship. You're about to start this, new chapter um have you guys found the place you're is it going to be a a mutual place a new place together or are you moving into one of each other's places or how's that going to look figuring it out figuring it out okay you know it's it's, yeah i feel like i feel like new york city apartment hunting is a whole a whole thing on its own so playing it by ear and being open to all possibilities Good. You know she's listening to this interview thinking, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? <laughs> <laughs> well, if she's not that listening is, that now, is a she might listen later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, so far you've answered you've, – you've had all the right answers, Michael. No no problem. Oh, well, thank uh, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, again, everyone, we're talking to uh, writer, director, producer, Michael Pizzano. And social media, so at Michael Pizzano, P-I-Z-Z-A-N-O, that's the best place for people to follow you, right? Yeah, Instagram more than anything else. I'm not great with social media. I'm trying to get better. It's kind of mm-hmm. on my, my, my you know, vision board, if you will, to just be good at it one day. Um, right. I'm just, you know. It, but Instagram primarily. I, I, I have a Facebook, but I, but I pretty much just set it up so whatever I post on Instagram gets kicked over to my Facebook. So I, I pretty much only go on my Instagram and check Facebook occasionally. But, yeah. Uh, and then michaelpisano.com uh, is uh, my website where all my oh, great. projects okay. are. I didn't, that's great. I didn't yeah. have that. So, everyone, that's a one, one-stop shop place to keep up with everything. And for uh, Lockdown Living the, on, the, on YouTube, it's literally Lockdown Living, the series, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. If okay. you search it, it will, yeah, it'll pop up and you'll, you'll see it. And, yeah, and then you'll get swept away in our nine-episode uh, series of just, you know, the most absurd version of Lockdown Living you could possibly see. <laughs> well, <laughs> listen, buddy, it's been a great – thank you so much for being on the show and uh, – Best of luck. We'll be following you and the, and the series, and please come back with your next project, and best of luck with all the, the new changes coming up, and so glad you're safe and healthy and happy. Thank you. Thank you, and, and same to both of you. I've, I, you know, I've had a wonderful time here, and but, uh, real quick before I go, just because I, I don't feel 100% right uh, you know, having a, uh, airtime and completely talking about myself, I just wanted to take one moment, just hold some space for the, the people in Ukraine and their, mm-hmm. uh, you know, brave and courageous fight to defend themselves as they're, um, you know, defending their homes and, you know, and just encourage people if there's a way, you know, if there's any way you can help the, 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 the people, because that's who suffers the most in these situations, it's the people on, on all sides. If there's anything you do to help the, the, you know, the women, children, and, and men of the Ukraine who are defending their homes from, you know, Putin's yeah, Russia, you know, I, I, thank I strongly you so much encourage for... you to do it. Yeah, thanks for for bringing that up. And it's an ever-changing situation. And, you know, the arts always play yeah. such a, a big role in so much of bringing people together. So, 
you know, fingers yeah. crossed and prayers go out to, to everyone in that part of the country. But, um, well, thank you again, Michael. Absolutely. Continued success. Thank and like you, Michael. Said, God bless, and we'll be in touch. Thanks. Thank you so much. Wow, that was a great interview. I'm so happy to have Michael on, Ralph. Absolutely. He got a lot of my questions answered about his approach to something that we've all had to go go through, and he did it well with humor and uh, aplomb, you know, so it was very fun. Yeah, I kept wanting to tell him, he said he's from the Bronx, and I was like, where's that Bronx accent? I don't hear any of it. He's got a great, uh, you know, I was thinking about that because I was like, oh, I don't hear the New York accent. I'm sure he could pull it up, but um, I didn't detect any of that. So, but yeah, um, we do want to hold a special space for the people in Ukraine. And, you know, it's interesting because that's what happens. You know, we can be upset with the governments of, of countries, but we can't hold it against the people, you know, in the same vein that hopefully, you know, when our government is not being liked worldwide, that the Af- American citizens are not to blame for it. So we have to always hold that space for, for uh, it goes both ways. It's just, I, I don't know, you know, it's to think about having to flee, you know, just in this little bit of time we have left, just imagine if suddenly you have to flee right now and you have to grab a bag, right? Like what, exactly. what do you take? And it's so, it's so scary when you think about it. But um, it's uh, again, prayers go out to to everyone there. And and Ralph, thank you uh, for another great show as always. Um, everyone, you've been listening to One on One with Jasper Cole with my co-host, Mister Ralph Cole Jr. I'm at at Jasper Cole says S A Y S, and Ralph is at Ralph Cole Jr. And go to jaspercole.com and Follow us on there, and you can listen to all archive shows and everything. Everyone, peace out. Take care, Ralph. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for checking out One-on-One with Jasper Cole. Check out past episodes and get the latest as they're released. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube.